want us to vote for that. Originally there were 12. I wish we'd gotten 12. We got 10. We got freedom of, not from religion. Freedom of religion. Freedom to believe what we want to. Amen. Amen. So when you're out passing tracks and somebody wants to stop you and have an argument about it, just say, hey, I'll pray for you. Give them a smile and keep going. Keep on moving. Because, you know, he can believe, she can believe what they want to, but I pray they believe the truth before it's too late. We're going to rightly divide the word of truth. We're not going to make the business of the kingdom our business. We're not here to establish the kingdom. There are those who would give you the impression that we're going to work so hard to control government and make it believe like we believe, regardless who they're, modernists or, or fundamentalists. We're going to take control of government, make everyone believe like we... They're not going to. They're not going to. Do you know that even after the church age, the rapture, after the tribulation, and live people... We'll have glorified bodies, but live people will go into the kingdom age. At the very end of the kingdom age, those flesh and blood people will follow Satan in his rebellion. The scripture says that. So why do you think that in this church age, when we're not in our glorified bodies yet, we can force government to do what we believe? You can't force anybody. That's up to God. That's up to the Holy Spirit. We speak the truth in love. Come on now. I hope, listen, if you take a snatch out of this and you try to make me say something I'm not saying, listen, I'm going to pray that you get boils all over you. Just like Job. <laughs> Amen. That's probably, the, that's probably the splice you're going to take, Tom, right there. That's it. I didn't say that. You can believe whatever you want to believe before God. That's between you and God. But if you're going to interpret Scripture, you have to take the Bible. And in its context, the number one rule of interpretation is a text without a context is just a pretext. You've got to take it in context. Turn with me to Philippians. Philippians. Philippians chapter number 2. Now here's where rightly dividing comes in. Verse number 5. This is for all the liberals and all the fundamentalists and anybody else who wants to take over government. It's not going to happen until King Jesus comes back to sit on the throne of David. Look in verse number 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He wasn't doing anything illegal but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of his servant and was made in the likeness of men. He came down to our level. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto what? Say the word. Death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That's where we're shouting Hosanna. So they, they tore down these branches on the way. Perhaps it was spontaneous. They were exuberant. Cries of adulation, Hosanna, acclamation. They were raising up 
the name of the Lord, and they were waving those. You know, we have a we say amen, we say praise the Lord, we say hallelujah, we say glory to God. We let people know that that yes, the Holy Spirit is confirming in our heart that the preaching of the Word of God is true, it's real. Jesus Christ still saves, He still keeps, He still satisfies, He's still on the throne of my heart and life. That's where the spiritual kingdom is. But the literal kingdom won't be until after the church age, the rapture, the tribulation, and then the battle of Armageddon. Then a thousand years, Jesus Christ rules and reigns. And you know what? Right now, as we serve and pass those tracks and, and win souls to Christ and witness for Jesus, while we're earning a position in that kingdom, we're not saving our souls or keeping saved, but we are right now those that will suffer for Him, those that will serve with Him, will rule and reign with Him, the Scripture says. In this church age, I can apply kingdom age Scripture out of context and make it happen because I've got news for you. In this church age, when nobody's got a glorified body, there's no way that I'm going to force anybody to believe or do anything unless the Holy Spirit of God leads them. That's it. So when I'm doing this, I'm doing it with understanding. It's not just by rumor. Hey, here, here comes the guy that's, that's going to get us out from under the Roman rule, and he's going to do it right now. No, Jesus didn't come for that purpose. He didn't come to squash the Romans. He didn't come for that reason. He came to save our soul from hell. He came to make us new creatures in Christ. He came to give us hope and peace and life. He, he came so that, so that our homes and our individual lives and vocations would have meaning and would have purpose. That's why He came and praised the Lord. So when we read the Scripture in Philippians chapter 2, we rightly divide the word of truth. Praise the Lord. When Jesus rode in to Jerusalem, I don't know how many people got it. I don't know how many people understood, but a lot of people didn't get it. Today, I'm going to say this. You have the opportunity of understanding and applying the truth like so many did not in Jesus' day. He's on that donkey. Look at the picture on the front of your bulletin. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. This is a historical fact. They were looking back on the past. They were looking back on the past. They were looking forward to the future. And they understood that God is the Creator. God is the sustainer. You can't look at creation and not believe that. God's fingerprints are everywhere. How on earth could all of this happen by accident? It happened because God has a design. God has a purpose. And if God has a design and purpose for that far off constellation or that galaxy, if He's got, if he's got a purpose and a plan for everything in this universe, don't you know He's got a plan for you? And He's got a plan for me. Don't you know He loves and cares for you? You say, well, I don't always feel like it. You know why? Because we're damaged goods. So we don't always judge things correctly. Our way of assessing is based upon how we feel. God's way of assessing is based on what He says. That's the difference. There it is. 
And so when I, when I wave that, when I take that with me and I say, Hosanna, Hosanna, I understand that His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. There's no way I can comprehend what the mind of God comprehends. All I can do is take by faith what He says in the Word of God. And as the Holy Spirit of God directs me, I can believe it and with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind. I can love the Lord my God and I can love my neighbor as myself. And that may not seem to be too vast in terms of intellectual pursuit and, uh, and perception. But that is the summary of it, of it all. That's the whole shooting match right there. If I can love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and all of my mind, if I can love my neighbor as myself, then I'm doing what God's will is for me on this earth in this age in which we find ourselves. Amen. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They knew His mighty works. They understood. They didn't have any doubt that God could. They just had a problem applying when God would be doing this. They had partial information. And they thought it was going to be now. Now. The king is coming now. He's going to do it now. His kingdom is spiritual now. He wants us to be in touch with him and to, to obey him and to follow him. God's plan. They didn't all believe that all the time. Back in Matthew chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. It says in verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And they're saying, no, no, no. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, just like I'm rebuking right now. And he, and he said, uh, be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things that are of God. You savor the things that are of the flesh. People out there along the road saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. I wonder how many of them savored spiritual things and how many of them savored fleshly things. God, here's the guy that's going to get us out of trouble with the, with the Romans. Come on, come on, come on, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. We know that when Jesus was anointed prior to his death, we find that in John chapter 12. She got it. She understood. She anointed him with ointment that was worth thousands of dollars in today's money. I don't know this for a fact, but one preacher has said, I can just imagine that was such a pungent odor that the odor filled the house, the Scripture says. And when it, wherever he went, people for the next few days, they were aware of his presence because of that pungent odor. And then when they took him out on that Wednesday and they beat him with the cat of nine tails that ripped the flesh off of his back and the blood was spurting everywhere. Don't you know that that odor that had sunk into his flesh was being emitted? When Jesus turned around, this is interesting. The full force of the underlying text is, 
having turned around. Jesus completely, He did a 180, did a 360. He turned His back to the temptation. He turned His back to Satan. He not only turned His back to what was said that was wrong, He turned His back to the prospect of walking away from the one thing that He came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. When you lift this up, you lift it up with understanding. You say, He came to save me. He came to take my place. He could have walked away. He didn't walk away. There's a song in our hymnal. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. I told you on a devotional previously the story of the man that wrote that song. He was an old, drunk, country, western singer. He decided it would make good material to write a song. No one had written one about Jesus calling the angels to come and get him off the cross. So in order to do background to write that country western song, this one required a little study. He got into the Bible. Guess what? The Bible got into him. And that man got saved. And he got changed. And he wrote, He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. When you wave that, when you say amen, when you say hosanna, you say it with understanding. You understand that while Jesus Christ had the ability, the, the raw power to walk away from that, and I'm telling you, if He were not God, if He were like we are, He would have looked at humanity and said, how miserable this, this, this humanity is. How faithless they are. I'm going to walk away from this. I'm just going to forget it. I'll dissolve them and start over again fresh. But He didn't. He stayed on that cross and He died. He dismissed His spirit. All of His blood was shed for you and for me and was offered on that on that sacrificial surface is provided. He is our, our propitiation. He is the one. He walked away from temptation. We don't fully see and fully understand, but we understand the change that He can make. We know that God in the past has the power. The greatest focus of that power is the transformation that takes place. The teaching of this message today is that right now, God is saving souls one person at a time. One at a time. That's what He's all about. That's what this is about. He rode into Jerusalem because He knew that the Lamb was taken out on the 10th day, and then on the 14th day it was killed, and He's the Lamb. He knew that. Maybe not too many other people understood that, but we understand today. This is a matter of misinformation being straightened out and God's people starting to live like we truly understand it and believe it. If He hadn't done that for you, man, He could have walked away, but He didn't walk away. We would be without hope. We would not have a chance. But Jesus did that. And when I wave this, I'm so thankful that He did that for me. I don't deserve it. When I take a palm branch, I think about every lost soul that has said yes to Jesus Christ. Everyone that's ever said yes to the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. 
Dr. R.G. Lee, who for a long time was the pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church of Memphis, Tennessee. In his extensive writings, one of the great preachers, one of the great pulpiteers, silver-tongued orator, but a great powerful preacher of the truth. Went home to be with God. I had the chance of hearing him preach that great message, Payday Someday. Heaven. Talked about heaven. I haven't forgotten the year, he said, I spent in South America. An old blind man with a tin cup was sitting along the street trying to attract attention with his dirty violin. We had with us on that trip a concert violinist who came by. She took that old man's scraping, soiled, raucous-voiced violin out of his dirty hands, tuned it, put it under her chin, and played and played. She looked at the crowd that was coming by and nodding to the old man's cup where he had a dime or a nickel or a few pennies before money was put into the cup until his cup was overflowing. He is telling us that we are like that beggar. And what we've got to offer is nothing until the master violinists come along. That's Jesus Christ. And he takes our old soiled violin and he cleans it up and he tunes it up and he plays that tune. And the end result is more valuable than we could ever imagine. Jesus is like the concert violinist. Our violin is like our life, a mess. We let him play and he makes so much more out of our life than there ever would have been. The master violinist turned it around for that, for that beggar. And Jesus Christ has done the same for you and for me. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking. How many of you today say, Preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you another question. How many of you say, Preacher, right now I need something from God. Would you pray for me that God will make it clear, that God will give it to me, that God will help me? Slip your hand up high. Come on. Right now I need something from God. Amen. Lord, I do pray for these whose hands have been raised. Those to whom you have spoken already and those that are in need of something from you. I pray, Lord, that you'll provide it as we acknowledge the leadership and lordship of our Savior Jesus Christ in our life. I pray, Lord, that you'll help. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to do this. I want you to pray from your heart to God right now. A simple prayer. I want you to pray something that goes this way. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. Once a man whom we know as son. 
mortal man He took my place He did it all for me He did it all for me Each drop of blood He shed for even me When Praise the Lord, He did it all for me. When I step just inside of those gates of pearl, and the Master's face I see, I'll gladly kneel at His nail-scarred feet. Oh, praise the Lord, He did it Savior cried, he bowed his head and died. Oh, praise the Lord. 